Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I interviewed Howard Wong and Josh Stafford, the writers of Damn Cursed Children from Source Point Press. Now let's get started. Howard and Josh, welcome to Comics for Fun and Profit. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, man. Thank you Excellent. for having us. Thank you. No. I'm going to start off, you know, thank you very much for letting me interview interview you guys. Thank you very much. Um, And also, before I continue, you know, um, I want to give a big shout out to, I'm going to pronounce, hopefully I pronounce his last name correctly, Josh Warner, Source Point Press, um, Creative C, um, the Creative Chief Officer um, for arranging this interview. So I I really want to give a big shout out to him, you know, so, you know, um, you know, just thank you very much. And like I said, thank you guys for joining us on Comics for Fun and Profit. Um, before we begin, um, I want um, can you guys promote your social medias? So where can listeners follow you? Ooh, good question. Uh, let me think. Twitter would be Howard Wong and the number one. So it's Howard Wong one. Mm-hmm. Instagram would be at the real Howard Wong. <laughs> I'm trying to remember my... And I believe Facebook is also Howard Wong one as well. Those are the three. But if you need if you need to find them again, you can go to my blog, which is uh, howard-wong.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. I have them all listed there. Hopefully, the links are working. And for Josh, I'm not as good as social media as Howard is. Howard's a pro, but um, I do the Mayfair Theater social media, so I kind of sneak around Instagram and Twitter more under the the Mayfair Theater banner. Uh, I do have an Instagram that's just uh, called Bat Turtle underscore Mayfair. And then I'm on uh, Facebook as well as Bat Turtle or just Josh Stafford. But uh, yeah, most of the time I, I do a ton of Mayfair theater promotion online. And then now the past few months just been trying to keep up with Howard of doing all the damn Chris Children promotion because uh, we've been lucky enough to be doing lots of uh, interviews and stuff the last few months. Like again, thank you guys for joining um, us on Comics for Fun and Profit. Now, um, I'm going to start off with basically, you know, you know, um, where were you guys born and raised? And you don't have to give, don't give birth dates or anything, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because I don't sure, want someone no, to go, no, I was no born. <laughs> well, many, many moons ago. Um, I was born in, uh, actually it's Scarborough, uh, which is odd enough. I just remember that um, uh, many, many, many moons ago. And I basically was born and raised in Toronto, uh, in and out of the city core and outside of it. Uh, most of my life was spent there. So, very boring, I guess. <laughs> for, and for Josh? I was born in a small town called Shawville, Quebec, and still have family up there. Uh, but I've lived most of my life in Ottawa. I think I moved to Ottawa when I was around four years old or so. So, mm-hmm. uh, briefly went out to Vancouver for school, but and back here. and So, I, I consider Ottawa my hometown. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Um, let's see. This... Question is from Drew, one of the co-hosts from Comics for Fun and Profit. What was the first comic um, you guys read? Wow, Josh, I know this. I know this just because somebody else asked, and I cheated, and I googled Fantastic Four, Purple Monsters, Snow, and the magic <laughs> of the internet actually got me to that <laughs> thing. So it's Fantastic Four number two twelve. And if you look it up, it's this great cover with the Fantastic Four, and they're like, they're in like parkas, and 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 they're fighting these giant purple monsters with no heads. Uh huh. 
And so I was really young. Like I was four, uh, maybe five, but I think four. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those nice stories of just my dad coming home from work randomly picked up a comic because he was probably stopping at the store to get cigarettes or something, you know. Mm -hmm. But it had an impact because it was just one of those books that I I read over and over again and mm -hmm. traced and 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 I still have a tattered copy of it, but that uh, that kicked off my my lifelong comic book ing was that random Fantastic Four issue. Nice. That is nice. Cool. I my first one I read, I would say it was a Spider-Man comic, but it wasn't a comic book though. Mhm. Mm yeah. I I think it was a collection and it was definitely a wasn't a regular format. Because I'm, it's when I was really, really young. Because I remember my cousin had it, and he wouldn't let me read it, so I would read it when he was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> with those, no joke, with the flashlight and the blanket and all the whole bit. But I remember reading that, and not, not obviously I couldn't remember. I remember not being not being able to read all the words because I was really, really young. But mm -hmm. the art and the story hit me because it was just so cool that I kept on going back. And basically I fell asleep reading it. That's why I got caught because <laughs> I fell asleep on top of it probably. So that was my first one I read slash couldn't read because I couldn't read all the words. So it was just basically his origin story, but I remember it had other stories after that. So mm -hmm. what, couldn't, couldn't place exactly what kind of collection it was, oh, but yeah. I remember it was a yellow cover for some reason. That's predominantly in the background color. If I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, let's see, because it sounds like you guys were, you know, basically, um, you guys were like comic book fans at an early age, right? You guys could say that? Me for uh, sure, yeah. Fan, fan, yes. Collecting, no. I started collecting when Image popped out. I was in high school, and I had some friends who were comic book readers, and he, they brought a whack of Image comics. Uh, <laughs> I think they skipped first period in high school to go buy them, and they brought them back during lunch. And I was like, what the heck is that? Because honestly, no joke, it was because of the production quality of it. And I looked at it, and I was like, this is, you know, this is, it wasn't the comic books I remember reading, you know, on and off at the corner store, because that's where I would read them. I would, you know, be one of those kids, you know, my group of friends who would, ride, you know, bike ride to the comic store and try to sneak read as much as they can <laughs> before you get kicked out. <laughs> but that really got me into wanting to buy them and have them. So that's what ended up happening. So from that point on, I started buying and reading comic books that were new and started backtracking stuff. So mm -hmm. I wasn't really into it when I was young because my dad nor my cousin, well, my cousins were kind of me. My cousins didn't really collect comic books either. They were sort of like in and out as well. So there was no mm -hmm. real family influence. So it was actually friends, but I said really late in the game in high school when I started getting into it deep. No, that's pretty cool. Because kind of like how it just kind of sounds like, because you know, the stories I'm sure you would hear is that you know, someone grows up, you know, they start reading comics when they're young, and then they drop out of high school, you know, then they drop out of high school, you know, because of other things, sports activities, girlfriend, and then they pick it up back when they become adults. But that's pretty cool that yours is you started off in high school. So, yeah. Um, Josh, so you said you, so you comic book fan for a long time. You started collecting when you were young, too? Oh, yeah. I've, I've never stopped. Uh, when, when I was a kid, it was, it was really this, 80s heyday so mm -hmm. i was again i was really young i was too young to read most of this stuff but i was anyhow but like when i was a kid it was um you know gi joe and transformers at marvel yes. 
it was Black Suit Spider Man, mm-hmm. Crisis, mm-hmm. Um, and and Mirage Ninja Turtles. Like I, that was a real big thing for me mm-hmm. of that that black and white era. I got I got to be like a little ten year old snob. So when the cartoon came out, I got to be like, no, this isn't Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles is black and white and all red headbands. And <laughs> so mm-hmm. I mean, I I read Dark Knight Returns. I remember I got that. Like, my dad got it for me for... I, I don't remember when it came out, if it was birthday or Christmas, but I got it yeah. as a gift. And I, I had a sense of, like, I'm too young to be reading this, but <laughs> I, I got through okay without any nightmares or anything. But, yes. yeah, just the 80s were just such a great time for to be introduced to comics. And then, like, Howard and I are about the same age, so when <laughs> Image happened, I was, same thing, in grade 9 or grade 10. Mm-hmm. And that it's all my fault. Like, I bought... Youngblood and Brigade and oh, yeah. I bought anything with an image logo on it mm-hmm. and and the good stuff too like like the Max and you know yeah. but but uh, I was just in the trenches of that shiny cover and Wizard Magazine yes. and, mm-hmm. and oh I love all that stuff the the Robin comics with the weird like lenticular covers so, mm-hmm. so yeah and and I'll never stop I don't really collect comics like I don't keep them in like mint condition and bag and board and all that but. Mm-hmm. I'll never stop reading. It's just like yeah. TV or movies. Like it's, it's a, it's a life thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, when did you guys decide you guys wanted to be either, I'm going to say this and you guys can answer you either a comic book writer or a writer. Huh. That is a very good question. Well, my, my journey into being professionally published is, well, it sounds boring. It's like I submitted something to Image. Surprise! Uh, oh. and, and you know, unlike a lot of people who believe that you need to do a lot of weird stuff to get into being published, I my pitch honestly got accepted. Not the best time because I I was uh, I was a father to be. Basically, when I got the green light. Uh, my first was born. So it was sort of like job, day job, being a dad for the first time and trying to write comic books professionally for the first time. So that was my first jump into the fray at that mm-hmm. level. Um, and before I could decide if I wanted to keep doing it, I'd end up doing the second one. And then I had the second kid, which was hilarious um, <laughs> of all times. So after that, funny enough, I actually took a break from comic books because, you know, it wasn't really paying bills. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was just doing anthologies and stuff like that. But then it mm-hmm. led into other avenues of things. I, mean, I ended up working in like mobile games and toys mm-hmm. and, and stuff and then went back into comic books here and there. But it's never a full-time job. I basically, I, I mean, I became a, like a writer. I mean, I was in human resources for a long time and, and then before mm-hmm. that was in marketing. So when I got yeah. into like, writing back narrative and marketing stuff you end up writing creative stuff only so it's like uh like the, you know, the iron man comic book there i have mm-hmm. a background i know you can't see it but yes i did i did work with uh, bandai with n30 for mm-hmm. full metal ghost oh my god i forgot the title of that mm-hmm. which was a toy it wasn't really meant to be a comic that was just a promo stuff i was doing narrative uh development for that so mm-hmm. it's this weird roundabout way of me getting back into comics deep was that I always had a passion for it. Mm-hmm. So if you ask me if I'm a comic book writer, I wouldn't say professionally that I'm pure, a purist. No. I, I would write anything and everything. So yeah. I'm sort of like a writer slash comic book writer, I guess would be like the most accurate way of describing myself. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I seriously looked at myself as being a writer probably like 10 years ago when I was like started making money that I could pay the bills with. Mm-hmm. It sounds it sounds like you know the weird the weird benchmarks like I can eat <laughs> with my work <laughs> with writing. This is going to work out. <laughs> so, so that was that was the moment I was like, hey, I can take this seriously now. I think that's oh yeah, about a decade ago I would say was when I really you know writing is writing is a way of writing can be a way of pro career. Mm-hmm. So before um sorry Josh before you answer the question um guys um listeners I know we're doing this in audio. Howard just pointed out um your first comic book series that you wrote was after the cape from image correct yeah okay and then also too i know behind howard is also his um his comic book series for marv was it is it was it a one shot or comic book well, it was a one shot uh it was a one shot it was originally released uh in to promote the new the first marvel theme park ride yes attractions so you- it's more of like an attraction, right, at Hong Kong Disneyland. Uh, it was an Iron Man experience. So the title for theirs was Iron Man Experience, which, which was a comic book title. And I thought it was only going to be released at the park. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote it and constructed it, that's, that was the goal that I had in mind. And mm-hmm. I created a, a local Hong Kong superhero for that. And it was, it was well received. It was really, it was really cool. But then Marvel re- released it again through Diamond. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, and we retitled it to Iron Man Hong Kong Heroes. And they threw in uh, two variant covers as well, and it sold out. So I was like, because <laughs> I, like I mentioned, I mean, the direction was for all ages because it's Disneyland. So you can't do certain yeah. things I would normally do for like, a Marvel book. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like I'm looking at kids who might be six or, you know, wherever yeah. the age group may be. So I had to look at the gamut. So when I wrote it, I was like, this is, this, this is, this is the, the audience it's going to be. It's the Disney people who don't know, probably know maybe nothing about Marvel comics mm-hmm. that only know about the movies or toys and then take it, take, take bits and pieces from that as well as what I know and, and see what I can do with it. So when it came out to through diamond, I was a little nervous. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> as I said, I wrote it for a certain audience. So I was like, Oh no, you guys did that. Oh, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad you have confidence in it. And I, and I was waiting with bated breath. Going, oh, man, I hope it sells it okay. And when, it, when it sold out, I was like, we okay. We did okay. We did better than okay. <laughs> so very happy about that. But, yeah, it was a one-shot. And the thing is, um, it was the most bizarre way to make a comic book because I was literally walking around what the Imagineers built in Disneyland and Hong Kong. So you're look, looking at real in quotations, you know, real artifacts. So you see the Mark One suit, you will see the uh-huh. arc reactor. Yeah. You know, you see blueprints that are from the film. It's like you sort of sit there, and like my research is basically be, being here. I don't have to imagine anything too much. Yeah. I'm literally go. I want to grab this, this, and that. I want to change that to something else. And look, that's literally what I did with the artists there. And it was the most bizarre experience in creating a comic book because it's it's a physical thing was there. Mm-hmm. So it was very very different. So I'm sorry. So wait a minute. You did you go actually to Hong Kong to the theme park or? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's pretty. Yeah. Cool. So I I wrote, I wrote. I mean, what they did was they they built uh, Stark uh, a Stark Expo Asia. Uh-huh. So it's not just one ride. There's actually different components to it mm-hmm. uh, that you can experience different aspects of the Iron Man uh, the Avengers universe. But you know, mm-hmm. at that point, it's Iron Man universe. So I rode that ride. Uh, it was a four you know a four D ride probably. Over probably close to a hundred times. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's fun. It's definitely fun for the first 10, but, <laughs> but, but after that, it's, it's sort of like, okay, I get it, but all right. Mm-hmm. But you no, know, you know, but I was there and it, it, the thing was, 
I experienced it um, with the artist, my, like, just just ourselves. So it was mm-hmm. really cool and really different. And then we did it again with just regular folks. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I asked for that because I wanted to see people's reaction. Mm, yes. So I know what connected to people and the different age groups. It gives me a quick, you know, a, you know, a quick, you know, snapshot of okay, kids really in, are into this aspect of this, which is which is something I need to construct the, the story with. So that was really cool because people didn't know obviously what we're doing there. We were just there <laughs> yeah. observing them, observing, <laughs> experiencing what we already did. So that was a really unique experience, as I said, uh, to do that. Um, and the media was nuts. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the footage and the things they built up for the marketing there was incredible. I mean, it's like it's Disney and Marvel combined for marketing. You I mean you can't go wrong? <laughs> so being in the middle of all that was sort of like, I want to I want to run around and scream like a little kid, but I can't. Got to be professional. You know, yeah. the, artist looked, the artist looked at me. He's like, "Is it wrong for me to take you know photos? No, you know snapshots of the meeting because even going walking into the you know the, you know the offices of Disney and mm-hmm. Disney, there's like things that you want to take photos of. Like, I'm not yeah. going to mention it here, but he's like, can we do that? I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm not because... <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> want someone to un- take your phone away and go, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unprofessional, but if you want to yeah. go for it, you know, share the shots with me afterwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, one of those weird moments where you're like, I'm, you know, if you're a geek and you get to go behind Disneyland, you're like walking through the secret areas and all that and seeing yeah. where the costume, where the costuming is and where the yeah. training is and where they have their own, own, you know, uh, cafeterias for their, for the actors, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, is this, this is, you can't, until I'm explaining it to you guys, you know, I have no footage whatsoever, so I can't <laughs> share them with anybody. But I wish I could in a way because it's like that weird geekness. Like I saw the secret stuff in this yeah. over here and there. So it was, as I said, a really bizarre experience to write a comic book from Marvel where you get to walk into things and mm-hmm. so very, very different. Josh, what about you? Yeah. So I went to um, I went to an arts high school and mm-hmm. I was there for visual arts. Yes, and mm-hmm. I was good enough to be a visual arts high school student. But mm-hmm. that's kind of about where it ended. I, I was I wanted to get into animation, and that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I ended up stumbling into getting into a film school. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I loved it. So I got to work on a bunch of short films. And mm-hmm. the way the school worked is that in the classroom, four students got everyone pitched, and four students got their scripts produced. Mm-hmm. And then everyone pitched, and four people got to be directors. And then everyone else just fills out all the other roles. So it was really great. So I got to be like camera operator on one and sound on another. So really learn everything. Mm-hmm. So that script I I did there, got into a book about screenwriting. Uh, so I've always been into writing. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've always, I think, and what's funny is right after I graduated, the school ended up picking up a writing program as well. When I was there, it was everything but. It, it was... It was dance, drama, uh, mm-hmm. visual arts. So in that alternate universe, if writing had been available when I was 13, I probably would have went into that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I love comic books, but I love, I, I think I'm more akin to writing than drawing them. So that's kind of where that started. And then I've always just been a fan. Uh, when I wrote a bunch of short films, they were all kind of fantastical and horror films or kind mm-hmm. of like sci-fi films. And that's when I met Howard is a short film that I wrote and directed, got into yes. San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And that's where we first crossed paths. And then in the years after that, 
I've it, it's it's the way things work. It, it's 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 good luck and and a bit of skill and a, and a uh, you know having having a bit of pride in yourself to put yourself out there. But um, I did a in a in a similar way to how Howard and I kicked off Damn Cursed Children of kind yeah. of in a joking conversation. Uh, another friend of ours uh, had a, a publishing house here in Ottawa doing some independent books. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with him about this idea I had for zombies, which is zombie monkeys. Mm-hmm. And so I did an issue and it just happened like, and it happened so crazy fast where it was uh, another friend of ours, Marco Rudy knew an artist uh, named Barb Felix, who was in Toronto and looking to do something mm-hmm. to pad out a resume. And, then Chris knew a colorist and they, mm-hmm. they liked the book. And so I had to work at it, but I didn't have to find all these other aspects. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like my comic geek dreams came true and I had a comic book yeah. and we went to Ottawa comic con and sold like a hundred copies in a day. And, and it was great. So I've done three of those zombies issues. I've got a fourth mm-hmm. one on the go uh-huh. that led to um, getting published in a couple of anthologies. Um, okay one called flip volume two that's out right now. Mm -hmm. And that's a like, what if parallel universe anthology Mm -hmm. and one called strange romance, which is on comiXology. And it's like a, uh, it's in the style of like, like old, almost like old EC or old romance books. Mm -hmm. So I got a story in that. So all of a sudden I found my writing resume padded out a bit. And then Howard and I had been working on this idea on and off for a decade and with a lot of hard work on Howard's part, we finally got it out there. Mm-hmm. And it's just another geek dream come true that, mm-hmm. and Howard doesn't feel the same way, but I was happy to just have it out. <laughs> and, 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 and genuinely, I was like, there was like, like, oh, we sold a couple copies here, or I know my local comic store bought mm-hmm. five copies. And it was yeah. just thrilled. Yeah. And Howard had the more, the more logical sense of like, no, we have to keep going. We have to yeah. keep trying to sell this. <laughs> And we did it. And now we've got, we're, we're, you know, issue three is about to come out. It's getting really nice reviews, a lot of nice feedback. And I'm just ecstatic because, because just, um, you know, to, to be a comic nerd, to Mm -hmm. have a comic book out, to self-publish or to do a little one with an an Ottawa publisher is great. Mm -hmm. To get into a little comicsology uh, anthology, that's great. But to have uh, Source Point Press, who I've, I've learned over these past little while is, is, has a real good fan base and is, is really building some respect mm-hmm. uh, is so much fun. Oh, and, and I, I got to stumble into writing a episode of DC superhero girls as well. And I told Howard, I'm like, that's it. That's, that's my downhill from there. I, I got to write the flash for three minutes. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so now like w- without, with it being, you know, my, my nerd dream, I think it's every comic readers nerd dream. Yes. Now, now I've got a bit of a resume and it's super mm-hmm. fun. So, so now, you know, Stephen King or somebody said, like, you know, to be a writer, you just have to write, yeah. you know, and I'm like, you don't got to make a living. You don't got to, you know, win the awards. You just got to do it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did it. I actually have a book. There you go. We're writers. Howard wants to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Before we continue, Josh, um, your zombie monkey book. I'm sorry. What was the title of it again? And where can people get it if they're interested in the in this premise? That's called Zomkies. Uh The first issue is on Comixology, and I've been meaning to kind of try to get the next couple up there as well. Uh, the publisher, uh, a very good friend of ours named Chris Waddell, uh, 
kind of the same excuse that Howard and Robin have had over the years is uh, he became a dad. So his publishing effort got a little bit sidetracked, but I know he plans to come back and do some more stuff. Uh, so the book's out there, a uh, little bit harder to track down, but um, I have some. If you're really looking for one, contact me, and I can definitely uh, sell you a copy and send that out. Uh, it, it's the thing that makes this kind of stuff so difficult is you you write the book and you finish it, and you're like, we did it. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no, there's all this other effort you have to do now. Yes. <laughs> you have to keep going. And that's the same if you're a filmmaker or a musician or anything. Like, And, and we're all guilty of that where there's times where, like, Oh, I, I got to, and especially now that Howard and I are in the trenches of damn cursed children, mm-hmm. it's it's very distracting in a good way, but it's really put a couple of other projects just on pause for a while. But I, I do intend to try to get that second and third issue of Zomkies, uh at least on a comiXology so it's a little bit easier for people to read because I know it's on the shelves of a few stores out there, but it's not uh, as easy to get as, as uh, opening up a previews or anything like that, but it, it's out there. Okay. All right. Um, that's the perfect segue to go into how did you guys meet? You already touched, Josh, you already touched the bottom <laughs> on, um, you guys met at San Diego Comic-Con. Now, like, yeah. like what, what year did you guys meet in San Diego Comic-Con? I think 07. 07? I want to say 07. 07, 08? Uh, 07, 08. But I think, no, 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 no. 06. 07. No, no, 07. It's definitely 07. <laughs> because uh, my wife was pregnant with, uh, the second kid, so it's definitely oh seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Oh my god, I finally figured it out. It's oh seven. I just I had to look <laughs> at my own. I think of my children, and here we are. So it was San Diego Comic Con, two thousand seven. Um, I was so the place I was staying at. I had some issues with it, mm-hmm. so I was walking around town. I bumped into some people I met that same week in Toronto. So one mm-hmm. was Attila Artojano, Ardo Jani, sorry about that guy. Uh, he's a great, fantastic uh, multimedia artist, I guess would be the best way to describe him. And the other person was Tom Fowler, who has done everything from Planet of the Apes, Green Arrow. What hasn't he done? Mad Magazine, uh, Star thank Wars. You. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sandman he's, he's a, stuff. Yeah, he's got right. a deep resume. Right. So I bumped into them literally on the street of San Diego Comic Con uh, after like one of the, after the first or second day I think it's first day, and they were asking me what's going on why you were out walking at this hour by your seat. I was like, I explained to them what was going on my situation, and then the next day, I think it was on the con was it the con floor? I can't remember if it was a con floor or it was after the con again. He asked me if I wanted to stay with them in the condo that they were renting, and I'm like, so how many people were staying there? Oh, me, Attila, of uh, a friend coming over, and it'd be you. I'm like, that sounds pretty good. Okay, how far is it from the con? It's like five minute walk. Okay, this sounds too good to be true. I'm grabbing my bags and I'm coming. Screw it. And that's what I did. And then when I walked through the door, I saw the I saw the bedrooms and I'm like, okay, so that's yours and that's yours. So that's you know Tom and Taylor. I'm like, mm-hmm. I see a nice comfy couch. I'm like, that's mine, right? It's like, no, that's for my friend who's not here. But your friend's not. <laughs> your friend's physically not here. It's like, no, but he will he will be. I'm like, oh, so where am I sleeping? In the closet. <laughs> yeah, funny. I'm pretty sure. So where am I sleeping? Walk-in closet. And honest to God, I slept in the walk-in closet for San Diego Comic-Con uh, that, uh, that year. And the next day, I woke up in my boxers and went to make coffee. And, and I realized that the condo living room window stared, it was on the ground floor, stared directly into Starbucks, where, there, where people were drinking and lining up for the coffee. So that was a nice way to wake up. I didn't need the coffee too much after that. <laughs> and that's right about when Josh came in through the door with his giant nerd backpack. And it's like, hi, I'm Josh. Uh, I was like, hi, I'm Howard. 
I guess you're Tom's friend and Tom came out and we all introduced each other. And then Josh asked me what I did. And I'm like, Oh, I do a stupid book called after the Cape. Wait. And then he dropped his backpack and started rifling through it and whipped out a copy of, Oh, it was the first issue. It was the first issue. After the Cape. Mm-hmm. And that's why we met. It's sort of like this. I'm like, Oh my God, why do you have that crap? <laughs> but that's how, that's how we met was there but mm-hmm. then the story becomes crazy i mean that was the most one of the most craziest convention experiences i ever had in my life i still remember it, you know because of that i mean i was at the image booth promoting after the cape and helping mm-hmm. out with the booth obviously and then i was trying to hook up with josh for lunch one day mm-hmm. i thought i had i had i thought i had a lunch schedule like i thought i had lunch this one day yeah I, and apparently i didn't but I couldn't, for some reason, I couldn't text him. I, mean, I was using a Canadian phone. I wasn't, I was just roaming. So I don't know why I couldn't text him. I felt bad. And I was like, I left him like, you know, on the con floor waiting for me, not getting to eat. Mm-hmm. And then Josh can tell the rest of the story where he, what happened to him. Until I, until I saw him again, hour, hours and hours later. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I went to San Diego two years in a row and I loved it. And I, mm-hmm. I would go back except. Like, I don't want to go stand in line. Like we're all spoiled now. If you're a creator, like once you're behind that door, you're like, God, I don't want to go stand in line for six hours anymore. But, yeah. uh, but San Diego is great. And the thing at San Diego is, mm-hmm. if if you're doing something, you're missing three other amazing things. Like mm-hmm. if you're at a world premiere screening, you're missing a panel. If you're at an amazing Sarah Silverman panel, you're missing, uh, you know, like a, a Guillermo del Toro panel. Like you, you yeah. can't do everything that's there. So, uh, I I remember like, like couldn't find Howard and I think poor Howard was more upset than I was I think I was like oh I'm, I'm sure he has an excuse he's probably doing something and one of the things I wanted to do was drop by the heavy metal booth because at the time that was Kevin Eastman and Simon Beasley were were doing a bunch of stuff there I think Kevin uh-huh. Eastman like was the publisher or the the, the editor-in-chief he was okay. something there at the time so I went over and there was a there was a lovely person running the booth and I asked if Kevin and Simon were around and they, mm-hmm. they were not they're off doing something else mm-hmm. uh, and then I see someone walk up who looks like Lobo, this big guy with a mess of hair, wearing sunglasses. All he needed was white face paint and a couple of dashes over his eyes, and he would Uh have looked like Lobo. He was clearly hungover, Mm -hmm. and I went to say hello, and he asked me, uh, he grumbled if if, uh, I wanted to go for a smoke. And I laughed, and I said, sir, I never wish more in my life that I had I." I was a smoker because mm-hmm. I am not, but I will go and smoke, watch you smoke. <laughs> so went outside with him and just, he was just the king, like walk that, that five minute walk to get outside. It was hugs and shaking hands and yes. saying hi to old friends and mm-hmm. everybody, like people who worked at the con uh, mm-hmm. dealers, everybody knew bees. Mm-hmm. So we went outside, chatted while he had a smoke mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, I want to go for a drink. And I wish I could remember what time it was, but I think it was like 1130, I think, you know, <laughs> and there was a, a, a hotel bar. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, can I buy you a drink? And like, I just met this guy. And yeah. he wanted, and I said again, because I'm square. I was like, no, I don't drink, but yeah. I will go with you. Yeah. And good on him. He thought that was really cool. Like for a big, crazy party animal drunk guy, yeah. he thought yeah. that was cool. So then I found myself for a genuine two hours at the hotel bar, having mm-hmm. a conversation with Simon Beasley, ranging from living in Canada, living in the UK. I happen to have a Ramon shirt on, so we talked about that for a while. Mm-hmm. Just everything. And then he saw that I had my big nerd backpack on. And mm-hmm. I remember because he called it the British way, he called it a rucksack. <laughs> and he said, he said, hey, mate, uh, 
can can I uh, can I smuggle in some drinks in your rucksack back into the con? Uh, so there's like you know a grown man asking his mm-hmm. younger grown man fan to yeah. sneak beer into the convention for him, and I was like, sure. So there was a little like corner store there in the bar or in in the the hotel. Mm-hmm. He he bought a six pack, mm-hmm. put it in my backpack. We went back in, and he sat down, took the beer out, and he's like drinking a beer sitting in San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, and. Uh, I just wanted to like buy a book off him, get it autographed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has ever dealt with conventions at all, they know usually it's not the celebrity, it's the handler yes. that keeps you from having fun. Yes. And so Simon looked over his shoulder looking to see if anybody would see this. And I think the, the statue of limitations has passed so he won't get in trouble now because it's like over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. He grabbed the biggest stack of books and stole them from Heavy Metal put them on the table and he said, here you go, mate, take these. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out this, this morning. And so he gave me like, like 10 heavy metal books. He took one and, and, oh, and I I was at the time I was collecting sketches. So he drew his awesome little Lobo sketch for me. He took one book, signed it to me Mm -hmm. and he, and, and I had said jokingly, oh, my friend stood me up for lunch. And so that's why I could join you today. And he said, what's your friend's name? And, uh, I said, Howard. And he took one book and he and he wrote in something like, like Howard F U loves Simon, and so yes, I missed hanging out with Howard for a bit, but I got this nerd adventure of a lifetime <laughs> by <laughs> just being in the right place at the right time at San Diego Comic Con, and that was just one adventure. Like like I have like like oh, yeah. a dozen stories like that from that year. Like it, it's so much fun going there. Before we continue, before I get Howard's. Um side of the story um josh what i'm gonna ask um what why were you at San Diego comic con were you promoting something there or so i've been there twice the first year was at the very last minute they informed me that a short film that i wrote and directed mm-hmm. was going to be part of their little mini film fest they have okay and then if i wanted to go mm-hmm. uh, i was welcome to come and they were going to be a badge and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. so you know, San Diego, it's in, it's impossible to find somewhere to stay. And mm-hmm. in the years since then, from what I understand, like, like Howard and I know people who are like, like pretty big shot nerd comic artists and stuff who don't go back because they find it so frustrating because it's, you got to stay in a hotel, like a 45 minute drive away. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to get a flight. And there's stuff like if you have friends coming, mm-hmm. it's a draw. So say like, say if the three of us were going and we had a friend who had a, a pass. They might be like, uh, Jason, you get a three-day pass. Howard, you get a four-day pass. And Josh, you get a one-day pass. Like, yeah. So it's, it's hard to, to, to plan a vacation with friends to it now. So, yes. But way back then, it was a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. basically, in the 11th hour, I knew Tom was going. If I remember correctly, he was uh, working for Mad Magazine at the time. So he was there on, on, the, on the Warner Brothers dime. And I just said to him, and and I beat Howard to the punch by like six hours, I think. But I was like, do you have a couch I could sleep on? Because I got nowhere to stay and I would really love to go for this experience. Mm-hmm. And he was like, sure. And so what I guess was supposed to be Howard and Attila in a hotel room yes. then became the four of us. Mm-hmm. So the, the silver lining was it made the hotel room cost a quarter of a single occupancy. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, so that's why I was there for a, a, a little, a little no-budget short film that I, I directed. Uh, got into their film festival. Um, before we continue, um, what, what was um, what was the name of your short film, and is it online anywhere, or 
It's around, yeah. It's uh, it's called Thursday, and it's a the 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 day is uh, the the title is just supposed to be like, oh, it's just another normal day. Mm-hmm. But uh, what it is is somebody wakes up and realizes that that um, everybody's disappeared and we don't know why. So it's this little story of a fun behind the scenes story of like how we just had to like be up before dawn and like mm-hmm. walked around Ottawa before stuff started happening. They got all these great shots of like that. And so it's a bit of like a, like a, a horror movie mystery of like, where'd everybody go? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a little like 10 minute thing. And, and, uh, but, but uh, it got into San Diego and they just have like a, a little mini festival that has like a handful of features and a handful of shorts. And um, so, yeah, so that, that was, that was my way to get there was uh, by, by, by doing that little short film. That's pretty cool. All right, Howard, your flip side. I know there's a little more to this story of you meeting Josh. <laughs> yeah, well, that, so I was still at the booth that, oh, my God, I remember I, I missed lunch. I remember that. And then Josh came over. Mm-hmm. He just he sort of, it wasn't like he was mad, but he, I felt like he was kind of mad. He stormed over and he just handed me a, a heavy metal book. No, it was a, a basically a sketchbook, art book. And mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell's going on? I, I thought I thought he was going to be mad. I thought he was going like, to tell me off, which is totally, absolutely, I was ready for it. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, here. And like, so I looked at it, and he was he was already walking away when I opened the book, and I saw that, you know, <laughs> Simon Beasley broke down, you know, Howard, F you. <laughs> love Simon Beasley. I was like, love, love Biz. And I'm like, and I had to ask him the story, which he told you guys about. And I was like, oh, man, I, I, wanted, I want to meet Biz, too, and, and mm-hmm. obviously Kevin Eastman because of TMNT, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I may or may not have uh, skipped some of my hours of signing um, <laughs> to go through that <laughs> next day, possibly because you know it was along the way to the t- to the booths, but maybe I didn't make it on time. Mm-hmm. So I did end up uh, talking to Kevin Eastman first, and it was like I don't know, I I kind of didn't want to nerd out, but I nerded out because he asked me what I wrote. Mm-hmm. He saw my badge, and I told him he would, like I kid you not, he took out a small pad of paper, like mm-hmm. and like an old school, and he wrote down my name and the title, like after the cape. I'm like. Nice. Is he really going to? He asked me, "Can you do you have any copies that I can buy?" I'm like, "Actually, we're sold out." I was like, "That's great." I'm like, "Not now. I don't <laughs> want to give it to you. <laughs> this is not great. This is the worst right now." So we talked, and I got an awesome sketch from him. Um, it was amazing. It was an amazing time to spend with him. And then uh, obviously fans came up to take photos. And at that time, I asked him, "So is uh, is Biz going to be around?" And he's like, "Yeah, he'll be here. T- he'll be here." appear soon he was supposed to be here probably three hours ago like, oh <laughs> all right okay so you know then for whatever reason he showed up like right after we said that so yeah, i was okay. talking to biz getting a sketch and telling you know talking about stuff and then asked he asked me what i wanted I'm like oh lobo was like and he literally he did not take his eyes off me and he drew lobo without looking <laughs> he only looked down when he had to sign it <laughs> so it's sort of like how did he do that I know you're totally hammered, but this is really impressive. Um, and then, is, and then he asked me my name, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm Howard." He's like, "Uh huh, uh, I'm I'm the, I'm Josh's Howard." And that's the moment he took. Uh, he was wearing sunglasses. He looked up his sunglasses, and he's like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, I deserve that. I'm gonna go now." And then that, that's how, that's how I exited that. But um, it was crazy because that night, when the, when the con was almost clo- was, was closing down, I wanted to buy. I wanted to buy um, right, a ray gun. Oh, the ray gun from uh, Weta Studios. 
brain farted the guy who created it, who designed it. I am so sorry. I remember it's Greg something. I'm such mm-hmm. an ass. But I wanted to buy that. So I went to go buy that. And it was near the end of the day that day. And I, would, cause I was talking to the, the receptionist slash greeter for a while to mm-hmm. get so I can get to buy that. Because I told him, can you reserve one at the end of the day? Because there's no way I can buy it during the con because I'm working the con. So that was the reason why I was talking to her. And then somebody started walking by and she just literally jumped out of her table with, for some reason, a box of uh, chocolate cupcakes with gummy worms sticking out of them. Mm-hmm. It's like, come with me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is, you know, I was like the most weird, bizarre thing. Um, so we ran up to a certain actress. So that was Rosea Donson. And she's like talking to her, asking if she could take a photo with her. And she, uh, and she gave, and she gave her a, one of those cupcakes. So she asked me, the reason why she asked me to join her was to help take a photo of them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like not be part of the group, just take a photo. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. So I, I did that. And then my brain's like, if you don't ask it now, you, you know, wh- wh- when the hell are you going to ask it? So I literally asked, you know, very politely if I could take a photo too. And she said, sure. So I have a photo because of that. She's holding this. That's why people ask, why she hold like a chocolate cupcake with a gummy worm at it? And that's the reason why in the photo I have with her is that she's holding a cupcake with gummy worm sticking out of it. Right? <laughs> the funniest thing. Um, and, and I, I didn't, I didn't clue into me what happened that moment. Cause I just like, I just did it cause I was there the, you know, for that, for that split second of mm-hmm. buying, I was literally purchasing a geek thing for myself. And then mm-hmm. that happened. And as I was walking back to the condo, I, I, I didn't dawn on me. I was like, okay, because it, it's like the kind of, you know, San Diego, it's a lot of things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was only when, I think, I think it was you actually, Josh, that asked me, it's like, what you, what you, what you do anything fun today besides, you know, stay behind the image booth? I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. I had a photo with some, you know, I'm like, I'm, I have my phone out and like there. It's, it's like, what the hell? When did this happen? <laughs> Just a moment ago. Like, so you're, Cause you're like trying to, you yes. know, you brief your own brain. Mm-hmm. You go, did that just happen? Because, you know, in the afternoon, I was like talking to Kevin Eastman and seriously, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and all this crap happened. And then this, it's like all one day, I'm like, my God, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Just like two more days or three more days of this, this is nuts. So we were basically, we learned that we were big geeks because of that, because we were like talking about our day mm-hmm. and what we, what, how we didn't connect. And we sort of figured out that we were on the same page in a lot of things that we liked. And there's a lot of things that we did know about each other that we were still cool with, which is actually nice. There um, was like there was like one day at San Diego, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm remembering this correctly. But in one day, I saw a Bruce Campbell panel, and they got to briefly meet Bruce Campbell and shake his hand. Went to a Sarah Silverman panel where they did a, a live reading of one of their episodes of the script, and and Zach Galifianakis was there, and Sarah Silverman and uh brian posein the whole cast mm-hmm. um went to a, a uh, screening with a live audio commentary from ray harryhausen where he talked all about making monsters um you know met ben enland and drew me a, a sketch of the tick yelling oh mm. canada like that was that was <laughs> one day like one day i i did like you know six months worth of geek mm-hmm. pride accomplishments yes. so it's mm-hmm. it's a it's it's super fun it's it's uh like every everybody's there there's so much to do so yeah if you can manage it it's it's highly recommended to do it at least once before we start moving on josh i have to ask you this because i don't want to pass this up you met bruce campbell you shook his hand i mean yeah. what, was, 
How did that come about? I mean, well, they were. This is how long ago this was, but they were plugging um, the DVD release of Briscoe County Junior. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so which was which was from the two guys who went on to produce Lost. So their their follow up show was much more successful because Briscoe yeah. County Junior was on for like one season. Nobody watched it. And, got canceled. You know. And it was a uh, very good show. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, super. Yeah, me too. So I, I basically went to that panel, saw mm-hmm. him do his Q&A, and then the host said, oh, so Bruce has a little bit of time. He's got like half an hour to do autographs, and he'll be doing it at you know this location. Mm-hmm. And like full-on Ferris Bueller style, before the host finished his sentence, I, I and a few other people ran from the room. <laughs> and yes. it was it was like the San Diego Comic-Con is big like if you're standing outside it's it's blocks long so mm-hmm. i was basically as far away as i could be and so i ran like down escalators hopping over turnstiles the whole thing and i got there and when i got there they have these lovely volunteers and if you're the last person in line mm-hmm. they give you a, a word balloon that says i'm the last in line oh, okay because it's just a harsh reality of they have to put a stop to things yes. if not Bruce would be there for 12 hours autographing and he has to go get on a plane and they don't yes. want to make anybody the bad guy, but they do a math and they say like, okay, that's uh-huh. 75 people in line. That's it. Uh-huh. So I was the second last person in line uh-huh. and then people are in denial because they keep lining up and, yeah. and, yes. and volunteers are like, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get yeah. it. So I got to get to the front of the line, shake his hand, have a very lovely 90 second conversation he autographed my Bruce Campbell autobiography mm-hmm. and autographed a uh, wedding card for my friend who is a super Bruce Campbell nerd. And I said, if you can't give two autographs, I understand. Just do the one for my friend and you don't yes. got to write anything personal. But can you just this is his yes. his wedding card gift. And he just put a little like congratulations from Bruce. And it blew the mind of my friend. It, it made me a nerd hero. So. So I met him for like 90 seconds. He was a great guy. And uh, and I had the old joke of I got to back back when we still shook hands with each other. I, I shook his yes. hand and, it, and did the old like, I will never wash this hand again. And he was great to all his fans. He was autographing and taking pictures and doing all that stuff. So, yeah. But that's so cool that you got that for your friend. Yeah, oh, that, that, was God, a, that was it. They must he must have like um, framed it and everything. huh? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'm sorry. So I'm gonna. Okay, so I'm gonna continue. So okay, so you both of you guys met. All right, we're gonna start talking about damn cursed children. Now, I'm gonna start off. Basically, what's the sales pitch for this story? Because in case one of our listeners, you know, has no idea what the story is about, or you know, what, what's the sales pitch for this story? You so on a, do it. Or you, or you do. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Uh, on, on a seemingly normal day, we we see a, a daycare teacher and her group of students. Mm-hmm. She hears a strange sand, sound outside mm-hmm. and looks out to see a world gone mad where mm-hmm. all the children have become rampaging little monsters. Mm-hmm. And she looks over her shoulder and the group of children in her classroom have also become terrifying little monsters. Mm-hmm. So that's our quick introduction. And then throughout the story, we follow a group of strangers who get together to try to survive in this city gone insane mm-hmm. and 
they get hints of maybe it's bigger than that even. Mm, okay. Howard, do you want to add anything to that? I, I well, sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Pretty much, it's just pretty solid there. But um, it's it is a world that finds itself in this insane situation with children attacking people and beating them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the focus was the focus of the story isn't about the the actual gruesome act of it, though it's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the p- normal people trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And to not be one of the victims. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's a scientist or a doctor who's going to like instantly know what to do, or you know, a specialist is going to go, we're going to do A, B, and C and get out of dodge. It's basically imagine you or me just being in that middle of that situation. What's the first thing you would do? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people would scream and freak out. Some people would freeze up and not do anything. You know, so it's, it's we're we're looking at that as the driving force for their story. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, we have a bit of homages here and there scattered throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely some dark, very, very dark black humor mm-hmm. in there for sure. For any of those who read it, you probably would understand because a lot of people have asked us, is, is this supposed to be funny? Because I find it funny, but it's also kind of, I feel bad about laughing at what I see mm-hmm. here. I'm like, that's the point. Mm-hmm. Are, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be funny for you? And if it is funny, is it makes you a bad person or not? So for you to find out if that's the case or what I'm talking about, definitely, you know, pick up at least the first issue and find out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, how long, you know, can you guys talk about the history of like, how long, you know, did you, get, how long did it take to get this book made? Because in a previous, because one of the interviews that I've heard, like, I'm going to try to pronounce, uh, hopefully I got the name of the show correctly, Nerds of Color. And I think you guys did the interview back in November. Because if someone reads issue number one, they're going to go, oh, you guys wrote this during the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I I think if somebody (laughs) picks out number one from like a 50 cent bin in 20 years, they'll be like, oh, (laughs) they wrote this in 2021. It's like, no, coincidental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we wrote this, uh, well we wrote this we got the ideas uh came out in yeah about 10 but you know, about a decade ago about a decade ago about, yeah. about a decade ago was the idea mm-hmm. we've been right we've been working on it on and off for that period of time mm-hmm. and then uh we i talked to source point press at the last fan expo so that was like two years ago okay two three years ago three years ago it was three years ago uh about it to pitch them uh them cursed children so that was when things started to roll forward for it so we actually wrote it and had everything done the art was done um like like a long time ago Mm -hmm. this is like so (laughs) if it had we wrote this during the pandemic we probably would have changed quite a bit actually of things Mm -hmm. because we have real world situations that we can follow back on and to right off on as inspiration but we didn't we were like looking at things in the past to what we like from horror films to our own imaginations to mm-hmm. build up this world so mm-hmm. you know it's it's a lot of things that we wrote back then that came kind of like it's like oh that's like a parallel that's happening now and it creeps us out because it's like when yes. i wrote that line it was sort of like this is what i would think would happen if that if this if the situation had gone to you know ape and hell and like, there we are that's that's, the, mm-hmm. that's literally what they sound like holy crap so it, it feels for us it's really weird because we always talk about it every so often that 
some of the lines we wrote, some scenes we wrote were like, that's exactly what, you know, pretty much what happened. Different mm-hmm. context, of course, but it was like creepy as stuff. So yeah, a, a decade ago was when we started. I mean, the idea was there and we already started working on it, and, you know, 10 years ago. So not um, remotely close to being reflected <laughs> in the pandemic today. Can you guys tell me the origin of how you came up with the title, Damn Cursed Children? I blame Josh. <laughs> um, for that I was sick in bed the kids were very young at the time so they were in daycare and they brought back the, you know the flu the plague god knows what it was because it knocked me into, into you know it knocked me down I mean I was actually in bed and I was like I don't know things were coming out of every orifice kind of thing um, <laughs> and of course Josh decided to call me <laughs> Not, yeah, I don't think he called me to ask me how I was it was calling me because he wanted to see if I was going to spend expo <laughs> so he could go <laughs> which is like the Tor- Toronto's uh, biggest convention, comic book geek convention. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say comic book, because it's like everything from sports, comics, and cosplay, and what have you. So he asked me if he could uh, come along and be and and be my table mate, uh, mm-hmm. so he can, he can come into the con and stuff. And I was like, sure, if I'm alive. <laughs> and then he asked me, "Are you sick?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sick." He's like, "Are you so sick from like last week, or are you sick? There's just like a new sick sick." And I'm like, "I think it's both." It's, and then it's, I think it's like, where'd you get it from? I think it's for my kids for sure. It's for my kids. And then Josh blurted out, yeah, you can say it. Yeah, it is a damn cursed children. And if I get credit with coming up with the title, Howard gets credit for actually thinking it could be something. Mm-hmm. And and we just kind of joked, like he was like, oh, that's a good title for a comic. Mm-hmm. And I said, go do it. And he was like, I'm too sick. <laughs> so... I think I think I put together like an idea and gave it to mm-hmm. him, and then we just kept going back and forth with the the magic of collaborating over the internet of just emails and Facebook chats and everything. But it it's you know now we have a, a real comic book, and it started just with a off the cuff joke because kids always make their parents sick. Mm-hmm. Now this question is for both of you guys. When you got so actually um, when you guys started the um, damn cursed children and start thinking about did you guys come up with like some type of bible or guideline for the story you know such as is it only the kids are infected you know if the kids bite an adult do they be you know that sort of thing did you guys come up with any guidelines for the story we kind of did uh in a way and a kind of not not in a traditional way because i mean I, i do world building for like different industries and stuff. So it's a, it's a very, I wouldn't say for formulaic writing, but you basically have a lot of check boxes that you got it or tick boxes. You got to you know, okay. take off, right. Or whatever check boxes. But we didn't really go that route. It became okay. very organic because it was, because I'm working when you write, your, but if you write by yourself, you end up doing that because you need to go back to it and, not, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But be working with a co-writer like Josh, especially Josh, because he's very responsive. It's like, you would ask a question mm-hmm. of, how do we define this? Why is this happening? Why are why are we you know is this really what's going to happen in the like in, in the kind of, in 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 this world? Is this is what what it, you know whatever it may be and you be it to the kids and not and he would respond and then I would I would retort and then we go back and forth and then we go okay that's that's the idea that's what that's just how we're going to define this aspect of this world. So we did build it. Did we build it in a very uh, you know formulaic way? meaning through a chart or something? No, uh, it was very organic. So it was, it, so it actually helped with the writing uh, because 
we wanted to write it. I know we, I, I consciously wanted to write it so that the characters were as real as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the, the, the five issues take, uh, take place over you know, the first few hours, I would say, uh, of, of this coming to, to light. So the very first issue wasn't people going, I know what to do. I know what this is about. It's more mm-hmm. like, what the, what the F <laughs> was, really, was the reaction. And then you just build off on that. So writing, creating a, a, and I used, you know, a world Bible in quotations, um, organically, the way we did help, I think the way we wrote it as well. But uh, do we know why, you know, do, do we define the, only the kids being in, being like that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we uh, talk about what would happen when they do bite people or not and stuff? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about a lot of the aspects, a lot of questions that we've been, you know, being asked. I mean, I'm getting asked a lot. I don't know about you, but I'm getting asked a lot on Twitter uh, privately, asking me questions about certain things that I don't want to spoil yeah, <laughs> for, yeah. for people reading the book. But they're yeah, like, like asking me these like straightforward <laughs> questions. And I'm like, read the next four issues or three issues at this point. So I can't tell you. People but, really want like, like a origin story all the time. Yeah. yeah. And for us, like our like monsters need rules. So if you're writing a vampire story, Mm -hmm. depending on the vampire, you could be like, Oh yeah, it is crosses do affect him or they don't. Or if you're a werewolf, you could have werewolf stories where silver bullets aren't part of the mythology. Yes. So for us, uh, like my, my, I laugh at myself. My biggest snob thing is people calling the kids zombies. Mm, And I don't think this spoils anything at all, but, uh, I, I I jokingly stick my finger in the air and go, they're not zombies, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. because they they don't spread the virus, they don't come crawling out of the grave, mm-hmm. they uh you know they, it, it's it's a not to use the word magical or anything, but like our story is just like bam, this is happening. Okay, and I really like stuff like that. My big influence uh, is is Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. in that. Yeah like that that movie's decades old everybody knows it there's mm-hmm. no origin story there, there's yeah. no explanation of mm-hmm. oh it's because of a toxic waste leak or mm-hmm. it's magic or mm-hmm. a meteor flew over mm-hmm. other zombie movies do explain stuff like that yeah. but night of the living dead does not and uh, like a classic film like like creature from the black lagoon you're just mm-hmm. like nope they're just a creature in that lagoon we yeah. don't know where he came from mm-hmm. and and i just realized this a while ago doing a more recent interview is uh, uh, Tremors. I love the movie Tremors. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a lighter film, but like nobody explains where that monster comes from. It's just there. Yeah. And so Damn Chris Children has a bit of that in it that I really like is that the the fun and the scare mm-hmm. and of of the the story is more important, the cool characters mm-hmm. and 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 the 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 horror movie moments uh you don't you don't need the origin. You just need this story. So that's something I always push for for these kind of stories. If is just just go, just mm-hmm. don't waste time. Just go. Just yeah. don't waste time with like a whole issue of like oh, and then somebody got bit by something, and you know. So mm-hmm. so that that's our kind of story. I think in this sense is is that that it's it's the story elements are very important, but uh, you maybe don't have to worry about the origin so much. Okay. Now the question. This, now it kind of leads up to my next question: Is um, your story? And I'm going to just end 
no spoilers or anything, but you know, is your five issue story, is there a social commentary to the story? And again, I'm making it clear to our listeners, I'm not referring to the current pandemic, you know, such as like, you know how the Night of the Living Dead was supposed to have been like a political commentary about the 60s and so forth. Or is Damn Crush Children just the just the fun story you guys just wanted to do, you know? Well, for me, because I'm not, I'm not going to answer for Josh. Josh will be, that obviously can answer for himself. But mm-hmm. for me, are, uh, are there messages in what I, portions that I wrote or edited? Possibly. I'm not going to answer straightforwardly. I'm going to be a little yeah. coy because to me, it's like art. Yes. Any kind of art form, uh, you take it and interpret it the way you do because of your experiences, education, knowledge, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, there were some things that I wanted to touch upon, which I did uh, with the way I wrote. So things about children are obviously involved. Things about the relationship between children and adults definitely are involved. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I'm not going to like go out and go, this is the A, B, and C's of why I did this, because that's, I think, takes away from the story from a lot of people. If I, can you imagine if, for whatever reason, one of the Renaissance artists is, you know, was alive today, and it's like, I painted this because I, I was bored. Yeah. And it's like, well, that sucks because all that emotions and feelings that you got from it is now, you know, disconnected mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I did it because I got paid. You know, it could be like yeah. the worst. You know, explanation on earth right uh to something very very you know deep and but very personal so there are some personal stuff for me mm-hmm. and some just things i that i you know i wanted to talk about or concerned about back in that, back then when i was writing it but it's not like i hammered it in you can ask mm-hmm. i'm like i didn't go this is why i'm doing it i, mm-hmm. I give hints in here to tones and themes that i want to touch upon which i got to do which was a lot of fun that's why i really enjoyed writing this as for Josh, I don't know. What, 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 did you stick to something in it? I don't know. <laughs> no. A little late now. That, that's why we're, we're a good odd couple because Howard has has in-depth thoughts like that. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, I just want a scene where a, where like a little monster kid gets hit in the head with a cup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think I, I remember hearing about like Spielberg and Lucas writing Raiders of the Lost Ark. And before they wrote it and had any characters, they were just like, we want a boulder scene. We want a biplane. Yes. We want a monkey. We yeah. want Egypt, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I think that's kind of how I write these kind of fun adventure horror yeah. things is, mm-hmm. is, is the beginning, middle and end is important. And we totally have some, some really for, for what is fun. Like I said, like I'm not, I'm not, I didn't want it to be a walking dead kind of thing. Yes. Clearly yeah. there's nothing wrong with walking dead. Cause it's a phenomenon that has sold <laughs> millions of copies. But um, I do, I wanted it to be, as fun as horror could be while still being terrifying. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, when going through, I was just like, yeah, I want this cool thing with a car. I want mm-hmm. this cool thing where they're in a mall. I want this cool mm-hmm. thing where they're in a graveyard. But, and I didn't realize this till a few interviews ago, uh, despite being super influenced by Bruce Campbell and loving army of darkness. Yes. Um, and even maybe having a little, a little tip of the hat to it in the series. Um, there's no catchphrases in our book which was, mm-hmm. I, I will fully say, was not planned, but shows that we had kind of an idea of what we wanted to do mm-hmm. is that there's no part where, and, and there's, you know, there's characters like, you know, driving cars really fast and with mm-hmm. guns and, and doing yes. stuff like that. But not once does one of them say groovy. 
And yes. that was not planned, but works so well. And now going forward, if we have another story to tell, we have that rule in our head now. We're like, yep, this isn't the kind of, of horror that has the catchphrases. It's <laughs> it's a little bit more real world. So yes. I think that's kind of a happy accident, but uh it, it, it fits well with our with our with our story. Okay. Um I I let me just ask um an off the cuff question because I know because you know, um, I sent you guys a list of questions. You guys writing stuff. How do you guys write? You know, as a t- creative team, how do you guys work out who's going to write what, or how, how does that work? If you could explain that to our listeners, how, for you guys, <laughs> it's just it's back and forth. It's just like okay. it's it's so funny to think that if we were in some kind of alternate universe, like sitting in a room together, like in mm-hmm. in in a in an office in cubicles, how different mm-hmm. it would be. But now it's like. Like I'm in Ottawa, he's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, our artist is very far away. Yes. Um, our publisher is in is in uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and I said if 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 we ever get one of those big hardcover, expensive absolute editions that reprint like the scripts and everything, yes. our scripts are unreadable because <laughs> between us, we know what's going on, and we have like a nice pristine like first draft. Mm-hmm. But then I'll go through. And I'll go, Howard, I added some lines that are red. And then he'll go through and say, like, oh, I crossed out a couple of paragraphs that are purple. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps going and going. And then the script would get further and further out of format. So instead of looking like a pretty script yes. that could be printed in a textbook, all the, the – the, it was different fonts. and di- It was just – it was a mess. But we knew what was going on. Okay. And that's what's fun about Independent as well is that we didn't have to hand off the script and be done with it. Like we got to correct word balloons up to the eleventh hour, uh, and just really finicky stuff. Like I, I might go like, Howard, I think it would be better if they said it's over there instead of it is over there, and just mm-hmm. the tiniest little things. So yeah, so it's just you know we worked over Facebook chat, we worked through email, we mm-hmm. sent stuff back and forth. We were never once in the same room together with with pens in hand writing on on notepads like mm-hmm. it was always over a very a very modern way of collaboration yeah i mean when we worked out like the plot and <laughs> you're saying quotations because we actually moved away from it a bit too um when we started script, actual scripting and doing everything from final descriptions and dialogue there are there were discussions of certain scenes that wouldn't be like well i deleted it all because it sucked it was never that it was okay. more like how, what do you think if we did this to push the scene further, or we maybe we change this? This would it be a more of an impact? It was always a discussion. Oh, okay. Versus a, versus a nope. I wrote the scene. It's perfect. Hands off. It was never one of the. We never had one of those moments because it, it, I never. I mean, I, I collaborated in different ways with you know in different fields that I've touched upon, and that you you you, t- you can't do that. <laughs> it's a, literally impossible if you've worked in. Well, mobile games, any, any any industry. I don't care if it's in creative or not. It's impossible to just go, it's mine, period. That's yeah. the way it's going to go from beginning to end. It never happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm very used to that. Uh, but at the same time, it was very great that we were able to talk it out and explain why. Mm-hmm. And then because once, once we explained why to each other, it wasn't like, this is my reason why, because it's cool and because it's reflective of this or that or whatever or connected to this or that. It was that because of that information, we were able to carry that mm-hmm. theme or tone 
to another scene because it was sort of like, okay, this character is going to be another scene because we established this over here. Yeah. We can carry it over here and make it even more impactful. So that it, it became that. So when we start going through the color, I tried my best. I made a, I think I made a legend too. Um, color coding <laughs> up, <laughs> up the changes. Um, it got to a point where I kind of gave up because I'm like, was it like the light blue or the dark blue for the for, mm-hmm. the, for the newest change? And Josh, Josh was like, I don't remember. I remember just blue. I'm like, that doesn't help because we have light blue and dark blue now. So, so it became one of those, you know. Okay, from this point on, it's going to be green. <laughs> so we went out with the green. So it was really, as I said, very organic the way we wrote, and it wasn't. It was definitely not formulaic. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to get scenes one, three, and five, and you do two, four. It was never ever that discussion, which. You know, it may, it may, that's why it took us that long to do it. But <laughs> but it became a better script because of it. Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. that's why there's a flow. I mean, I've seen people who try to divvy up a script where they like, we'll take this half or, and I'll take the other half. Okay. You can literally see when the other writer is coming in. Yes. Because it's a different style altogether. Mm-hmm. So when you when you do a co when you co-write, it's you want to you want it to blend. So honestly got to work it together for it to blend because if not it's going to stand out like a sore thumb you'll know the differences in writing because everybody writes in a different style so mm-hmm. that's how we did it and it was it's 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 the best way to do it i don't know it, it worked for us because i know if we add, if we, we were to do something else again together mm-hmm. hopefully uh we'll probably be we'll take a we would be so much faster we definitely would have a, a, a straightforward legend <laughs> of colors <laughs> at the get-go. <laughs> like, we know what we would need to do to make it so that it would work much faster. And then poor Robin wouldn't have to, you know, be crying when he looked at her script <laughs> and trying to go, which one do I draw? <laughs> Yusha or the, which one is it? So it, it's, it, it would make it, the production would be much faster because we've mm-hmm. learned how to work with each other oh, okay. through this process. Now, you touched the on Robin, your artist, and artist is Robin Simon Ng. So how did you guys... How we, how how we did meet him? him? <laughs> well, long ago, uh, when After the Cape Volume 1 was done, uh, I was asked if I wanted to do Volume 2, and it's like, obviously, I would love to do Volume 2 of After the Cape. So he was one of the artists I recruited online, I believe. It was from Divi- Deviant Art, I mm-hmm. think. Or Pencil Jack. No, I think it should be DeviantArt. And he was one of the artists that caught my attention, and I contacted him. I mean, I posted ads up, and that's how I found my artists way mm. back in the day. And everything was good. Uh, he sent samples in. Everybody at Image was like, yes, this is this is the one. I'm like, yay. Because uh, my first, after the Cape, our original artist, Marco Rudy, mm-hmm. you know, when he, before he was finished, finished it, before he finished after volume one, he contacted me. He's like he was he was getting a job through uh, from Mark Wade to do something. I'm like, do it, go ahead. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, I have another delay. I'm like, what is it? I have to. I want. I, he's offering me, and you know, I think it was an exclu- I think it was an exclusive contract at that time. I, I could be wrong. You have to don't always quote me on that. But and I was like, dude, do it. Obviously, I mean, if yeah. I was in the same boat, I would probably leave you. But <laughs> maybe. But that's what happened. So we had to find a new artist for volume two. That was mm-hmm. so. Uh, Josh, so I told Josh about Robin. Like, this is when we were friends, obviously. I'm like, oh, I got this amazing artist for volume two. It's going to be awesome. And then I think the same week, I'm like, he he can't do it. Oh. <laughs> and then it's like, what do you do? I'm like, he had kids. He had a kid. So <laughs> he's, he's not doing it. So 
he he chitta, he bowed out of the project, but I kept in contact with him because mm-hmm. I loved his art. Um, and I still happened to be in Hong Kong at the same time he was in Hong Kong for a vacation. So I'm like, why don't we hook up and meet and just hang out for a bit, just to you know, face to face? Because at that time it was just you know way back in the day we didn't have Facebook even. Holy crap, we had like basically the you know the boards, mm-hmm. like, you know, okay, the image boards and whatnot. So people were wondering why we didn't meet. That's you know, or see video chats. That's why what mm-hmm. happened. Um, so we met and we talked and we kind of hit it off. So I'm like, you know, I want to definitely want to work with you. I don't know what it's going to be, but one day I'm going to throw you a script and you tell me, just tell me yay or nay, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, after we got, I think issue one done or issue two, I think issue issue one was done. I threw it to uh, Robin to see what he, you know what he thought, what he thought about it. And his first, I remember his first reaction was, "So not superheroes?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no." So <laughs> like, this is pretty dark. I'm like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. are you cool with it because i know you have very very young children mm-hmm. and if you're not cool with it that's okay it's like nope it's, i can do it I'm like, all right i'll let i'll let josh know and then we'll we'll, we'll get your contracts uh drafted up and then we'll, we'll hit we'll hit this thing we'll hit this ball you know hit this thing you know hit this girl thing rolling and then that's what happened he basically mm-hmm. he liked the idea enough to to do it and he started throwing art at us and that's mm-hmm. how he got involved because i met him online in 2008 i think 2007 2008 so mm-hmm. but i kept in contact all the way all those years for him to be on part of this amazing project i'm so happy that he is because he is a phenomenal artist that people keep asking where'd you find him I'm like i found him back in the day when when he had you know threads and boards before <laughs> facebook before reddit you're like how old are you but the thing is i <laughs> I've known people for a long time. And the thing is, there are some artists that I met back even back then that were emerging. They were like getting mm-hmm. into it, but they weren't ready. I can like, I can sort of tell the art is ready or not because the confidence in your line work, I can sort of see it because any, even a fan can see that there's some nervous, nervousness in your mm-hmm. line work. So there are artists that I've known from back then that are now working for Marvel and DC that I'm like, back then, if you asked them, you're gonna be working for Marvel in DC. No one would believe it because their artwork is so completely different than mm-hmm. it is now. So Robin just kept on going and developing um, from when he what he did back then to now. Mm-hmm. His his art now is you know phenomenal. So, but I saw the potential in him back then that he can you know he can do it for sure. Um, that's how he got involved. He like, he said okay to it. Like I never like force an artist go. You must do this. <laughs> you will draw this. But mm-hmm. it's more like if you don't cool with the idea and the themes that we're doing, then don't do the book because oh, yeah. then you, your heart won't be in it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm glad that he he said yes. It was years back when, because like Howard said, it's like I, I think I think Robin more or less finished an issue, and then. You know, we had speed bumps trying to trying to find publishers, or he had speed bumps because he was raising a family. Mm-hmm. But, but I remember just his character designs coming in and just being so blown away. Mm-hmm. And then, in more recent years, when that second issue and third issue and fourth issue started That's... rolling in, just it was so great. And he really he brought a lot to it, like any good collaboration does. Where yes. every once in a while he would straight up find like an error, and mm-hmm. I forget what it exactly was, but it was like. Oh, we can't do this because the 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 way we've designed the house, the car can't come out of the garage that way. But he had an idea to make it work, and mm-hmm. we were like, and I think the key is you can't be precious. You can't be like, no, I want it yeah. to go that way. 
And so he had a great idea. Every once in a while, we would get a page back, and and this is, I think, common, is if it was like a five-panel page, he would have added a sixth panel just with a reaction shot of one of the Mm -hmm. characters or a cutaway shot, Mm -hmm. and that would affect us shuffling around the word balloons a bit differently. Mm -hmm. But you just got to keep doing that. It really helps. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. be rigid. And whether that be on a script point of view, like I remember times where Howard would stand back a rewrite, and I'd go like, I love this, this, and this, but I don't think... Mm-hmm. Our character Ted would say that, and yeah. Howard would go, "Oh yeah," and we'd go back and forth, and we'd, we'd yeah. fix it. And yeah, Howard is just has been such an amazing uh, teammate on the book because his stuff works so well for the style that we were going for. And mm-hmm. in the beginning, it wasn't planned as black and white, but it it works so well as black and white. It yes. looks like an old nineteen seventies Marvel comic, I think, one of those old horror books. But uh, yes, but yeah, it's it's. You know, we're, we're writing a comic book, so having a, a great artist attached is a is mm-hmm. a definite plus to the equation. Mm-hmm. I have a question from Drew. Um, do you guys send Robin full scripts? Like, yes. Or do you guys? Okay. Yeah, we send him full scripts, and we also send him definitely too many references <laughs> to things <laughs> that we want. Uh, I don't know. It's weird because Robin's sort of like the not super nerd geek kind of artist who wants to be in comic books, which is kind mm-hmm. of amazingly awesome for us. I mean, I love people like, well, that's terrible. How can you talk to the person? There's more things. That, I, surprise, there's more things beyond comic books and, and geek stuff to talk about. But mm-hmm. we were we would have to send him like uh, visual references for like, the, like especially with the covers. Mm-hmm. We're sending him making movie posters to EC covers to everything. And I mean, between me and Josh, I think we send him like a point, at least 50, you know, I think, or something like that. It, we get, it got to the point where he promised to, to stop. Yeah, we <laughs> so just went on a run because like Howard, like Howard and I were had ideas and Robin, Robin is the most non-nerd comic artist I've ever met. Like mm-hmm. he, I'm sure he must have some nerddom in him, oh, but yeah. he, he, we were sending him stuff about EC comics and, and horror movie posters to, <laughs> to, uh, tribute on the covers and mm-hmm. we would have little ideas of of like i wanted a certain car in there and mm-hmm. sent him reference for that and yeah he was always great at doing it but i, I think it's, it's he's really bringing his own style to the mix and yes. a few other folks have mentioned that either in reviews or on podcasts of it's it's clear that he's not like i am doing a todd mcfarlane horror style or i'm doing a terry moore horror style like he's doing his own thing. And I think that's, that that's a, a real fun new aspect to, to this, this horror story of ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the things I love about working with artists who or her like him, or for some reason isolated themselves from the, from, from geek them because when they ask you about something, I remember him asking like, so this film, this film, you want me to, you sure you want me to do this, you know, do this homage of this poster. Is that cool? I'm like, Yes. And to try to explain why is not necessarily the easiest thing to do, mm-hmm. but because he has confidence in war decision-making, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'll do it. And I'll, yeah. let's see how it goes. Because he also obviously sent his own ideas for covers and, and scenes and stuff like that. That I'm like, yep, we're doing it. I don't know where you pulled it from because I've never seen anything like that. And that's why it's going to be in it done. So it was very nice to have that kind of thing, especially for this book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that you need somebody who needs who knows he needs to know a bit of the history of certain things mm-hmm. to be able to pull off uh, you know, certain things. Uh, but in this case, it was perfect. Um, we you know I didn't go out you know with a plan going. I must find an artist who's exactly like Robin mm-hmm. in in his knowledge about this part of the mm-hmm. part of yeah, yeah, nerd stuff. It wasn't. It was just so happened that he. Did, I didn't know he didn't know because I assumed that he would know. Because <laughs> he's like, because when he said he was like, "Oh, this script looks good. I'll do it." I thought you like, "Oh, he must like horror. Great. We're we're we're, we're you know we're in cloud nine. When when you so he explained that he didn't. I was like, "What? <laughs> Why are you doing this then?" <laughs> so because I remember him once he said, "This is okay to do. Like this is kind of dark. But publishers like this." So I'm like. You're asking in. We're we're halfway in. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're committed now. Mm-hmm. You can't ask this now. You're you've already drawn tons of children being. You know what? So now, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's one where I'm like, wow. So you're not. And then the references came, and then he realized that between me and Josh, we liked a lot of weird shit. Yes, <laughs> um, I don't want to be made, made him like see us in a different light. I'm pretty sure it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it was it was an amazing experience, like production wise. It was it was for me. It was funny because I was like, I thought it'd be like you know, just do this kind of cover, boom. And when he's like, but why? I'm like, what? Is he challenging my geek? Like, the I'm like, is he challenging my geek? I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, I don't want to respond with a geek answer. But then oh. it was really being very honestly asking why. Mm-hmm. Really cute and awesome at the same time. So it came out uh that because of that as my just mentioned the artwork inside interior pages mm-hmm. is literally him it's not yeah. him copying a scene from whatever yes. be it film or a comic book um he does obviously read comic books here and there but he never he never copied a style which i always loved about his art he's never mm-hmm. like because you know so artists just they follow some style and then they bend it into their own thing that yeah. happens all the time right yeah. writers yeah. do the same thing decisions do the same thing mm-hmm. and for some reason i look at his art i'm like Where's this coming from? Like I literally every time I look at his art, I'm like, where's this coming from? Because yeah. this is like it's always like, where's your influences from? And you're trying to guess it out, but every time I look at his stuff, I'm like, I don't know yet. If there is, I, I haven't I haven't found I haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. So and I love that I love that the most about, you know, his artwork for this project. It's absolutely like for me it's fun because I because of that, it surprised mm-hmm. me. Every time we got a page in, I was like Oh, this is completely different from what I envision. This is a lot more dynamic. This is yeah. great, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. So, you know, but the only the steak stuff, yeah, there was a, it was the garage thing because he, we 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 did we wrote the scene with the, with the house designed in a certain way, and the garage was <laughs> situated a different way. He's like, the car came out came out that way, and then he he he, he fixed it with a, with a change of uh, of visuals of the scene and mm-hmm. fixed it. Um, yeah, he's a lot of him in it for sure. I mean, there's like scenes where we're like, "This is what's happening to the children. This is, you know, this is what's kind of, you know, how we envision it." Mm-hmm. Then he would throw in a lot more horrific stuff. I'm like, "Oh, that's a lot way darker than <laughs> what we wrote." And then he would ask, "Is this okay, or have I gone too far?" I'm like, "Oh no, this is great. Just keep going. <laughs> Go further. It's fine. <laughs> there isn't, there is no too much." <laughs> so it's always been a, it's been a definitely a great experience here working with him too. Josh, this question is for you because I'm going to slowly start clo- um, start kind of closing this up because I know originally I told you guys we're going to do an hour interview, <laughs> but no, but this is great. This is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so one last question about um, Damn Cursed Children. So it's for you, Josh. Any possibility of this becoming a short film? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think 
anybody with no money could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's kind of nowadays you can't help but have that dream of your project being picked up to become a TV series or a movie. Uh, the harsh reality is it's a series filled with terrible, terrible things happening to children. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so reading that in a comic is one thing. Mm-hmm. That in real life... Mm-hmm. Like it would involve, I think, like a lot of CG stunt children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So you could do it. Yeah. I don't think you could do it. And it just like, especially say if you're doing a short film, that's like usually no budget, mm-hmm. friends helping you out, mm-hmm. doing it on the free. So even if you whittled it down to just being like one of the scenes from the yeah. story, it's still like the opening scene is a daycare with a dozen kids, and the kids are like leaping at a person and mm-hmm. they're being hit with things and they're mm-hmm. they're 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 getting their arms stuck in the door yeah. they're getting they're you know there's a car crash with a kid mm-hmm. eating a person yeah so it's it's i think be very difficult for a low mm-hmm. low budget point of view mm-hmm. if you were doing a real big budget movie or a series yeah you could do whatever you want yeah um but that that really is the line in the sand of it would be quite an undertaking to do it with just real actors on a low budget set mm-hmm. with you know fake blood and no special <laughs> effects it would be a little yeah. difficult but bigger budget for sure and then also too like you added too like in a comic book you know it's um cannibalistic kids it, i mean for us horror comic fans we're like wow this is great but trying to put that into the mass audience they'd be half of them be <gasps> Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a thing about about drawings or even a novel Mm -hmm. versus the big screen versus TV. Like there's there's a line there that when it becomes real, Mm -hmm. it's sometimes it's too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we we won't, but we won't say no. I know our doors are open for offers. Oh yeah, to sell out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we 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 would definitely uh, entertain any offers. All right, so sorry. I'm gonna. So again, um, I'm gonna keep continuing on. So um, already, um, damn cursed children is a five issue series. Um, you know, um, issue number three is gonna come out at the end of this month, March first. You guys have been working. Basically, you guys have been friends basically since 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So now I'm looking at the future, and you know, and. If you guys can't say anything, that's no problem. Or you know, if you guys say, I can't talk about that, fine. Um, so for you guys as a writing team, what's next for you guys? Sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I only wish. Um, as a team, I think we're, we're def- we definitely talked about uh, what, we, what can be done in this universe that we started at mm-hmm. Source Prime Press. Um, so if we're obviously juggling some ideas back and forth um, mm-hmm. as we promote because without fans, honestly, without the amazing fans that we've built up and who continue to grow hope, you know, and hopefully continually grow as well, you know, onward and onward, uh, it gives us, you know, uh, some fuel to you know, expand this world that we built up um, mm-hmm. and we would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have ideas that we've been throwing around that I think are very exciting right now. Um, mm-hmm. That'd be great if we could do that. Um, and if it's, if it's not more, uh, damn Chris children, you know, 
uh, in the in the near future. Maybe it might be another another project. We don't know because we like working with each other a lot. I mean, it was very, as I said, very easy, very natural. I know because we were Canadian or something. It was very <laughs> simple. So it was like because if you asked me like at any time, like were you stressed working with Alex? never it was more like i felt kind of guilty sometimes i'm a little late in you know giving him something so it was never like oh my god i have to like talk to him about this so like it was never that it was sort of like it was very like easy going and natural so i, I can't see why we wouldn't do other things together for mm -hmm. sure um but you know i mean hopefully that we could i mean honestly I hopefully we get to expand uh damn chris children's universe further because there's so much potential for story if you ask me i mean what we started was, you know, the cusp of a lot of ideas that we put in the drawer per se, mm -hmm. that we want to pull back and pull out and then go, boom, explain, you know, expand them out for, for everybody to jump into as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been very careful about not saying anything because yeah, nothing's yeah. official, but I, I do joke that Howard's been very, very busy the last little while with some other projects on the go. And, and I said, but we, we do have a shared folder called damn cursed children and I have been filling it with ideas and sending it to him. So there, there's 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 ideas floating around for sure. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Um, this um, this question is from Drew. It's for both of you guys. Where do you see the comic industry going in 2021? Whoa. That is crazy. Um, with all the pivots, and I, I know people yeah. hate that word, but well, we'll use that word. All the pivots that we've seen for the last year yes. from the different publishers, and that includes like the big guys too, which is like you know shocking to a lot of people. Um, it's going to change a lot of things, I think, in twenty, you know, in the, in the near future because of how it affected the shops, mm -hmm. uh, and then in turn, it, how it affects publishers. How because it's it's all related, to, you know, this industry is everybody's it's a it's a chain, so we're all connected to each other, so. What we do as creators, we send it to the publisher. The publisher has to work with, you know, Diamond as a distributor, and then they work with the with the shops and stuff. So, if any point along those lines something doesn't work well, and especially what's happening outside, it changed a lot of things with lockdowns and restrictions of of, of small smaller uh, businesses. I, I I think it's going to be digital might be pushed a little further because mm -hmm. it's just easier to connect with people who can get it any time. Yes. Um, there's definitely a shift to having things available uh, through online markets, like, you know, like things like Amazon and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I think that's definitely one because it's a direct, you know, from them to your door. So you don't have to come out. If you can't mm -hmm. come out, maybe you're in a city that, you know, you're still in lockdown. Yeah. And we were just, we were, we were just in lockdown until today. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's going to, I think that's the shift because it's the short pivot, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Um you know, in, in, for the for long term, I don't know if that would be the way to go because, like any industry like this, like in, like any industry that involves uh, a fan base mm -hmm. uh, with people who are, who like to connect with each other, the reason why we have conventions and comic book shops yes. are still around today because people like hanging out with each other who like to have the same interests. No joke, right? Mm -hmm. So how can you do that? If you like live isolated where you don't go online and stuff for going and ordering things from, from a place like Amazon, you have that disconnect from that part of that geekdom. Mm -hmm. Geekdom is, yeah. is people. And without us connecting, then it dies, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, that, that's the honest truth. So 
for a short term, I see it shifting so that businesses can survive this mm-hmm. in any way they can. Hopefully more shops can, I don't know, send their stuff uh, to delivery. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that would work out for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, I see it going back to uh, sort of the old ways of, of dealing with, with it. So people coming to the shops and doing that, whatnot. But with the added, I mean, like, Source Wars Parents just did it themselves. They they signed a deal with uh, Simon & Schuster to be in bookstores. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah. I mean, for me, for me to say that, in bookstores, I mean, physically brick-and-mortar stores, right? Yeah. So there's, there's, so there's an avenue there where it's beyond the comic book shops, but it's still stores, right? Um, yes, of course, that's going to also be online as well, but we're still looking at stores because that's how we connect. I mean, when you walk in a comic book shop, you don't just go in and grab your stuff and leave. Yeah. Like, have you ever like not said anything? Say this is, you know, get my profile and drop down, drop down a couple of bills and then leave. Never do that. You hang out, talk and discuss and, you know, revel into revel in the stories that you just read or issues that you read, because that's, that's part of it. So without that, then it becomes a really weird industry to me because imagine going to a movie theater, coming out and not talking to anyone about the movie. Mm-hmm. You can't. That's not natural, right? Yeah. Same thing for comic books. We have to have that human connection. So short, you know, it's a short way for the short, for the short spit, definitely online and looking into prep, you know, preparing ourselves for more wider market in, in brick and mortar. And then when things get back to banking better, and I know it will get better, mm-hmm. uh, we'll go back to being more normal in our, our ways of buying comic books and hanging out. That's that's my that's my my my, my thoughts at least. Mm-hmm. And for Josh, yeah, it's I think that the smart comic book stores, and this is nothing brand new. It's like the last few years doing this kind of stuff of of just making that extra effort of having having magic card nights, having Dungeons and yeah. Dragons nights, yes. something to bring in nerds who are also buying stuff, buying, buying a D and D book or buying mm-hmm. dice or buying magic cards. So doing that, uh, doing really spectacular free comic book days, having people yeah. in for guest signings, yes. uh, doing online Facebook auctions where they find a bunch of stuff and put it online just for like publicity and to get it out there. So you see comic stores now it's, you know, they have to make that extra effort mm-hmm. because I, I love comic stores and I love comic books, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I admit that I'm in my, I'm in my fifth year mm-hmm. of my wife getting me, um, Marvel unlimited as a birthday gift. Mm. And I am crazy addicted to it and mm. I love it, but I'm reading a lot of stuff on there, like going through old, you know, mm-hmm. early Spider-Man, early fantastic four, yeah. Um, you know, it just like they do a very, very good job of curating it. So at Halloween, they'll put up stuff. At Valentine's Day, they'll put up stuff. Uh, they'll have creators put on their favorite list. So, so I can be addicted to that as the modern way to read a comic book, but still love comic book stores. Yes. But comic stores have to deal with that. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. So whether that be people who buy variant covers, whether that be people who want to buy statues or t-shirts, like mm-hmm. there is a way for a store to survive during yes. digital because, because yeah, like straight up, I love Marvel unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, I will very likely get a subscription to the DC thing when that becomes available in Canada in a couple months. Mm, okay. um, and like, there's a thing called humble bundle that started yes. with video games. Yeah. And my friend introduced that to me because he was getting video games off it. And I love it because you'll go on and for 
for 20 bucks get like $500 in Archie comics or $500 in IDW comics mm-hmm. and a chunk of the money goes to charity, a chunk goes to the publisher and a chunk goes to Humble Bundle mm-hmm. and you get a stack of digital comics. Mm-hmm. So between Marvel Unlimited and that and the library, I get a lot of comics not from a comic book store. Mm-hmm. So they got to deal with that. But I think they can survive just by going that extra mile. And maybe they're selling fewer comic books than ever, mm-hmm. but they'll have a very loyal batch who are buying comic books. Yes. And then a loyal batch who are buying Star Wars action figures and a loyal mm-hmm. batch who are buying Dungeons and Dragons books. Mm-hmm. And that's how they get by. And so I think they can survive for sure. But I don't think it's ever going to go back to the good old days of, of, of the 90s or anything. But yeah. but uh, but they can do it, I think. I've seen locally that the stores can do it. So mm-hmm. it's different, but they'll survive. Josh, I have a question for you. Where do you see the movie industry going in 2021? Because you work in a movie theater. Yeah, it's it's very similar. There there's a big panic, and I don't think there's a reason to panic. Mm-hmm. The, the, the cinemas like ours that do survive are going to survive. Sadly that we mentioned this last night, as, as we speak last night, the other single screen cinema in Ottawa closed down. Mm-hmm. So like very sad, like there was all this social media and we were saying nice things about them. And there's always a hope that someone will revive them. But as we speak now, we're, we're, we're the last man standing. Mm-hmm. And so we survive because we have great patrons. We survive because we do all kinds of special events yes. and mm-hmm. we get stuff that the multiplexes don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, b- before the first round of lockdown back in March, 2020, we were in a 17 week run of parasite, mm-hmm. which could have become 24 weeks. And mm-hmm. we were getting like 200 people on a Wednesday, which is unusual. So, and even during these lockdown times with our limitations, we were having sellout shows of, of Christmas type movies over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Disney allowed Empire Strikes Back out of the vault and we were doing great with that. Oh. So there's a su- sign that people will come back mm-hmm. and maybe a city sadly can't support 20 independent cinemas like they did back in the seventies mm-hmm. and sixties, but the Mayfair will survive because we got great patrons and, and strangely have an association with digital and with streaming services that you, you would think would be our enemy. Yeah. But in the past couple of years, we don't need 5,000 people in the cinema. We need 50. Mm-hmm. We need 100. So we screened stuff like The Irishman and Roma and Mank mm-hmm. while they were on Netflix at mm-hmm. the exact same time. And Netflix yeah. sending us posters and doing publicity. And we did well with it because there's well, always yeah. going to be someone in a town the same way that you want to go to a restaurant or go see a band play or yeah. go to an art gallery. You want to go to a movie. And mm-hmm. so... That's what's going to make us survive. Um, sadly, we will not be. We will be the minority. Like every major city might have one Mayfair, mm-hmm. whereas you look back in the fifties and there'd be twenty of these type of cinemas. Yes. So, it's kind of a, in, embracing the the digital era and just screening all kinds of stuff and doing special events. We haven't been able to do Rocky Horror since before COVID times because it involves. Yes. You know, screaming and touching yes. each other and throwing things. And you can't do that right now. <laughs> so that'll come back. Uh, what's really fun, this weird silver lining, is that uh, 2022 is our 90th anniversary. Okay. So if we come out of the holiday season and we're 
a bunch more steps back towards normalcy and we can cross promote that and be like, we're back. Rocky horror is back. Saturday Mm -hmm. morning cartoons are back. The room is back. We can have more than 50 people in the cinema. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a fun thing. So that's uh, what we're looking forward to hopefully. But I think, I think multiplexes are in more danger than we are because Mm -hmm. I think they're really having the fight of if, if Warner brothers comes to us and says, we're going to have suicide squad on or Batman Mm -hmm. on, or Kong versus Godzilla on, but we'll give it to you for a weekend or we'll give it to you for five days, but it's going to be on TV at the same time. We'll take it because there's enough cinema fans in town Mm -hmm. who will come see something like that for three or four days. Yes. Whereas the cinema, the multiplex wants to show it for like three months. Mm -hmm. So I think they're in more of a weird position now than we are. Cause if, if they come to us and say, Hey, do you want to play Batman for three days? We'll be like, yeah, sure. Because we know there's enough fans there's not enough fans in town for that to be like 10,000 people, but mm-hmm. there's probably, you know, 300 people who want to come see Batman on the big screen. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting time for everybody, for, for, for books, for music, for yes. movies, for comics. It's, it's a very interesting time to see what the next year will bring for, for uh, people getting back to enjoying pop culture. Mm-hmm. Two more questions before I wrap it up. Any shouts to your local comic shops? great thing to do uh so yeah i'll alienate some people and then i'll feel bad but i know a, a, a few shops that are in and out of town but uh mm-hmm. heroes world for sure and markham have been very supportive I actually they were the first first podcast we did actually wow kind of weird ass the things to say to think about that just now and they sold out of uh damn cursed children each time if we mm-hmm. issue one and two so yay so shout out to them for being awesome uh great store uh, they don't just do comic books. They actually, do do model kits and do a lot of uh, tabletop games as well. Um, and any kind of card game you can think of, they probably sell as well. So they've been around forever. Beautiful. And the owners are pretty awesome. They've been around forever. Mm-hmm. So shout out to those guys. They've been they become my new local shop. That's one of the closest shops that uh, that I like. If you ask uh, that, that I go to. Well, did go to I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> until things went like this. So yeah, uh, shout out to them for sure for for the support. Um, and the, anybody that you know who's who's ordered our book, I'm not going to just shout out to just the, the, to the locals, but anyone who took a chance with our book, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I've tried to find you guys and to promote them on my social media. So if it's any shop that I have not contacted about the uh, whole having cameras children. Mm-hmm. No, ping both Josh and myself so that we can tell the world about so they can go to your shop and buy stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, support you guys, you know. So not just local, but any city's local shops. I'm I'm all happy for you guys to be around and stick around, please, because yes. I love you guys. I get my comics uh, delivered by a great local non-comic store. And that just kind of happened because oh. I got busy and I still wanted to get comic books, but uh, they're called Dark Age. And have been crazy supportive, have been getting the word out. And I didn't even tell Howard this yet, but uh, when he dropped off my books on the weekend, he said, he said, oh, you, you picked up uh, five new people getting uh, uh, Damn Cursed Children on their pull list. So we got five new people in Ottawa getting that. Uh, and then there's a store called uh, The Comic Book Shop here in town. And they've been great forever. They're really good about supporting local and having people in doing signings and stuff. And just it's such a thrill when they take a picture of, like, here's what's this week. And they, they put all the books. And just it's the biggest nerd thrill to see, like, damn cursed children and, like, 
to its left is Daredevil, and you know, mm-hmm. right above it is Captain Marvel. It's, I can't even. It's just the best. I, I've, I've talked with people much more successful than I am about this, and they say the exact same thing. Like, no matter how far you get in, you mm-hmm. see your book on the shelf beside other things, and you're like, "Oh wow! If I was five and I saw this, it would blow my mind." Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a, a fantastic store out in Halifax, so not local to me, but I, I found it because uh, my wife's from from out east and. They're so great, um, Strange Adventures, and same thing. Like they'll they'll publish like here's our new independent books this week, mm-hmm. and I just get such a thrill knowing that it's on the shelves in Halifax. And so, yeah, every time a store does that, it's so great, and I, and I love having it, seeing that it's on like a uh, uh, the recommendation shelf at a store, mm-hmm. or they they tweet out their top three of the week, and it's so funny when it's like, you know a star Wars book and daredevil and us yeah. like, I just love that. So it's very, very flattering. All right. The last question again, if you guys um, can promote your social media platforms again. Sure. Uh, for all of them, in case you miss out when I say them uh, or, or misquote myself, dear Lord, uh, you can go to my blog at Howard wong.blogspot.com. They're listed there. So for Instagram, it's uh at the real Howard Wong. Twitter would be Howard Wong and the number one, so Howard Wong one. Facebook is the same thing, Howard Wong one. And for Josh? Uh, my Instagram is batturtle underscore Mayfair because uh, bat turtle was taken. Somebody beat me to it. Uh, and then I'm on there mostly as, a, as the Mayfair social media guy, so you can find me uh, at Mayfair Theater and where we just have all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Mayfair is on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. You can find me on there as well. Um, and then I host a weekly Mayfair Theater podcast that we talk about movies and the cinema and just one of those podcasts where often we'll talk about other things for 25 minutes and then at the end remember to talk about the movies. Uh, and we recently passed 300 episodes and have lots of loyal listeners all over the place. So uh, you can hear me on there uh, asking people to buy the comic as well on a weekly basis. Howard and Josh, thank you very much for your time. You know, I, I think our interview is like about an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, literally thank you very much for your time today. You know, um, again, guys, you know, to our listeners, you know, damn cursed children. Number three from source point press comes out on March 31st, you know, until next time, guys, Aloha. Thank you so much for having us, man. Take care. That was my interview with Howard Wong and Josh Stafford. Their book, Damn Cursed Children, number two, is currently in stores right now. Issue number three comes out on March 31st. Now, if you are a big horror fan, you know, I encourage you to, you know, check out this limited series. It's pretty wild. It really is. And I really love it. Now, this is part of the um, closing bumper. I start giving out my big mahalos, my big thank yous to people that made this episode possible. The first big mahalo goes out to Josh Werner, the chief creative officer of SourcePoint Press. You know, um, Josh Werner um, was the one that arranged it for um, for me, Howard, and um, Josh Stafford, you know, to do the interview. So, Josh Werner, thank you very much. Um my next big uh, mahalo goes out to Howard and Josh Stafford, you know, for their time, you know, to do this interview. You know, um, when I was um, in contact with Howard and Josh Stafford through, through email, I basically told them, hey, the interview is only going to be an hour long. 
as you guys know it's it went last it went more for an hour so based so i'm just saying howard and josh thank you very much for your time thank you very much and it was so awesome to talk to you guys about you know all these um that you know all these nerdy stuff you know the stuff that we love you know about conventions and comics and so forth so thank you very much i also want to give a big mahalo to my ohioan brother drew for doing the heavy lifting behind the scenes drew is the one that is behind the scenes that does all the um you know puts together these episodes so you know just drew thank you very much thank you very much and also to drew thank you very much you know for letting me contribute to your podcast now if you are a new listener you know please check out new episodes of the comics for fun and profit podcast new episodes come out every saturday and it's hosted by my ohioan brothers kyle and drew and finally you know the big mahalo goes out to you the listeners Thank you very much, you know, for your time. Thank you for listening to this um, interview. Thank you very much. Until next time, guys. Aloha.